What's up? Welcome to the Inner City Innovators Podcast, where we will discuss marginalized communities and what it will take to bring true, lasting hope and transformation to the disadvantaged. Now, here are your hosts and hope dealers, Sean Montal and Ricky Aiken. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the ICI Podcast, where we teach you how to be a hope dealer, baby. It's your co-host, LaShawn Montal. I'm here with my boy, Ricky, and we about to jump right into this thing. Ricky, tell them what's going on, man. Yeah, man. A lot of y'all probably don't know this, but I'm a vet in the game. I've probably been working in, with youth for, I know, over 15 years, believe it or not. Um... I first got started when I was around 17 years old. Uh, I worked at Urban Youth Impact's after-school program, uh, and then I worked at the Salvation Army Northwest Community Center uh, for many years, where I met today's guest and motivated king, Ramon Barber. Welcome, brother. Hey, I appreciate y'all for having me, man. This is My pleasure. Like you said, man, it's been a long time. Yeah, bro. And at the Salvation Army, we were all young. But but we, we love kids, and I always tell people that's when I found my heart for what I do now. Absolutely. The way those little kids, those little hood kids from the Northwest Corridor would look at us, we, we they didn't even have to know our stories, They but they already looked at us as if we were role models, as if we were heroes, as if we were cool. And, um, yeah, let's open there, bro. Like, we we, we did that, man. Bro, I can, it's been a long journey. As you were saying, I'm I'm hearing the kids' voice like, Mr. Ricky, Mr. Ramon. Like, <laughs> it used to be that all day long yeah. after summer school. So it was cool. I mean, after, after school was over and then summer camp. Yeah. It was really cool, man. And um, like you, man, um, the, I started out, man, I, I feel like every guy orchestrated my path. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From the time I was born, I was born and raised in Riviera Beach. Um, you know, single mom, no dad, you know, the whole story. Yeah. But um, I think the unique thing, and we talk about it kind of quite often, like, is we stepped into our power, understanding that just because we come from calamity don't mean that we got to play victim to it. Right. And I think that's the thing that brought us together, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And even and on this journey, although, you know, you started your organization, I still was figuring stuff out. Yeah. But you created the blueprint to for people like, me and others yeah say, oh this how you do this this right. how you make a real impact right and man kudos to you just to let yeah. you know that he is a vet he is yeah. a vet now i respect that you know because i i have seen often that you got all these outside people and agencies and entities coming into our community uh working with our young men but i felt like we were the most qualified absolutely you know and so the fact that i could be that example, man. It means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love what you're doing with Motivated Kings. Thank you, man. Tell the people about that. What is Motivated Kings and, and, and how did that come about? Like, what, what drives you in that? Absolutely, man. That's my heart, my soul, my baby, my, that's my everything. You yeah. know? Um, ultimately, again, um, just, just to throw it back to you real quick, I, I, I literally saw when Ricky started ICI. Yeah. And I'm like, man, oh, what's that? You know, like yeah. how you, you know, I just went to asking questions. And of course, Rick right there, open. He ain't try to be, you know, selfish with information. He's like, oh, no, this is what we're doing. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm focused on minimizing to, to eradicating gun violence. And we want our youth to make it to to stay alive past 25. And, and he was saying this stuff years ago before any of this that really came into fruition. Right. I remember when Ricky first started, he was right. literally 
doing this all on his own, renting vans, taking kids, picking kids up. I was like, this cool. And then he even invited me out a couple of times to speak. Yeah. And I'm like, look, man, this man's willing to share opportunities like this. I was like, I want to do this. I got to figure this out. So I went to just ask the questions. He told me who to go see. And the rest is history. I, um, Motivated King came to me just simply because I understand that we are all kings. Mm, and right. um, God put us here to be kings. And I'm just the one who's motivated to get other people to realize they're kings. <laughs> My kingdom doesn't mean... It doesn't mean what, like being a king doesn't mean you rule any particular thing or area. No, you are a ruler of yourself and you right. also want to help other people accomplish that. Hey, that's, that's where it came from. Hey, that's dope. That's dope. I love that. I've been following you in this motivated king movement uh, ever since I met you and I love it, bro. You've been nothing but a sensation, full of energy, full of life every time we link up. Yeah. So that's dope. So we just tapped into the motivated king. That's where you at right now. But we're going to put the paddle a little deeper in the water, man. So tell us about Ramon, man. Where are you from? You said you're from Riviera. What was it like growing up in Riviera as a child? Take us a little bit through that. So as a child, you don't realize like... Uh how much you don't really have. Like, you realize, like, man, I'm just going to go outside and play with this Rick today, you know, and, and it's fun, you know. Yeah. Um, I grew up, you know, I had a lot of cousins, and um, we was always around each other at my grandmother's house or my aunt's house. It was always, like, festive, you know, yeah. always a party atmosphere type deal. Every weekend we had parties, sleepovers. So right. although we didn't have an exorbitant amount of money and resources and stuff like that, we still always was around love. And that's when I really realized, like, okay, no matter what you come from, you can create whatever you want within right. that space, right? Mm -hmm. And um, as, as I got older, you know, obviously dynamics of the family started changing or whatnot. And um, I started seeing, like, okay, now this is, now I see what I don't want to be, you know? Right. And right. that's when the pivot kind of happened in my mind as from a young age. At seven years old, I knew like I wanted to go to the NFL, mm. and I knew that was my way out of out of poverty, for the lack right. of a better way to say it. Right. Because just being honest with you, I didn't see doctors, I didn't see lawyers, especially right. not black ones. You know what yeah, I'm right, saying? Right. I didn't even know we could be that. Right. Um, I didn't even know we could accomplish that. I didn't know I had to go to school to become that. You right. know, all I honestly saw was sports. People who played sports made it to the pros, made a lot of money. Or dope boys who ride around with the donks, the twenty fours, the pocket right. full of cash, and they getting all the girls. Yeah. So I knew it was either that or that for me, and I didn't mm. want to do the dope boy route. So right. I was like, okay, let me, let me. So I felt like sports and I saved each other. For, you know what I mean? Mm. Sports saved me. So. And speaking to that, I know you uh you got to try out for NFL team. Mm -hmm. You got to play in the Canadian Football mm -hmm. League. Like, what was that like to be a kid that that comes from Riviera Beach, as supportive as your family was? They couldn't protect you from the disadvantages entailed in your community. So you had that driving force that. I, I got to make it. And, and as you said, like the examples were few right? and so few for the kids growing up in our dynamics where it really is sell dope or play but, ball. Yeah. And yet you make it to this level. Like what it was, what was it like at the pinnacle of your success? It wasn't what I thought it would be, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, man. Um, once I got out of college and, and, and football became a job, Yeah. it was a lot more more intense than what I had, I was ready for. Right. Um, this is where I realized the lack of a, a stable man in my life mm. had, play, had played a role because the discipline, 
just wasn't there. Yeah. And once you get to the pros, you it's all about discipline. It's not mm. about who's the best. It's about who's disciplined enough yeah. to show up and perform and get paid the money that they're, they're trying to pay. Right. And the money went to my head first and, and then partying, women, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah. all the young guy things that we do, I did. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I thought that's what you do when you right. get there. Um, and again, not having that strong, stable, disciplined father figure there, I feel like it's kind of what kept me, uh, well, it made me go to steer towards the wrong yeah. path. You, know? you didn't have the Just because of that instant gratification. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. That's dope, man. So, all right, so you grew up in Riviera. You know, it's pretty much like any other city we got around the United States of America. You got your good, you got your bad. But I noticed something interesting of what you were saying. Um, and Ricky talks about this a lot, how in our communities we tend to normalize and internalize the pain. And then we find ways to find joy in our suffering. Very unfortunate. Um, it's very, you know, effed up that it has to be that way. But it, it really has a way of making us very strong, humble, and passionate individuals, which, which makes me pose the question. Um, was it during your athletic career? Um, was it before that or was it after that where you felt like, you know what, I got this need. Like, I know I'm a king. I know what God put me here to do, but now I feel like I need to put this out there in the world. At what point did you realize, like, you know what, these kids need somebody. They need me, actually. That's actually a, a great question, Sean, because um, to be honest with you, there wasn't a real pivotal point that I can point back to other than when I – got cut from my last team in Canada, and I didn't really have a path. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and that's how, and, and so at that point, I remember saying the prayer, like, all right, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I started having bouts with alcoholism and mm -hmm. and just just trying to keep up an image that I was no longer living. Yeah. Um, I still used to try to, they called it, somebody told me it was called helmet syndrome, where you still want to pretend that you're playing in the, in the league, yeah. even though you're not. Right, yeah. um, because you're afraid of the identity or lack thereof once all that's taken away. So right. when that happened to me, man, um, I felt like I, I remember praying the prayer of surrender, and I said, God, I need your help to find my path, yeah. whatever I'm supposed to do. And that's when first job showed up, Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Second one was the Salvation Army. Yeah. Third one, um, after that, I believe it was a juvenile detention center out by the fairgrounds. Yeah. Um, like I started getting all these type of impactful jobs i'm like wait a minute this is me yeah right i went right. to the boys and girls club i went to right. the salvation yep. army i need to create something right that i need to find a niche that they don't they can't obviously reach yeah then i saw ricky yep providing the extra support and i'm like oh well really go ricky gonna need some help too yeah. <laughs> like yep. so that's where it came about yeah and i think that's the the power the most powerful thing about you is your your comeback and it's something that's so often overlooked. Like, our communities are notorious for feeding our kids to the sports mm -hmm. conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. But nobody's teaching our kids how to get off that conveyor belt. Mm. And so many people in our community suffer to this day. Yes. Because they couldn't readjust or find a way to be useful again. Oh, I got a brother that's struggling with that. I got friends that struggle with that. So I want I want to I want to unpack that, bro, because you you dealt with that. Like you you mentioned the alcoholism. Like what like how do you help the the layperson understand 
what it's like to come from being someone who was celebrated for your physical talent mm -hmm. and, 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 and was kind of put on this pedestal. How do you help people understand what they're doing when they saddle a kid with yes. these expectations yes. and then you're left holding the bag alone when things don't work out? And the bag empty, by the way. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Rick, that's, I mean, I couldn't even ask that question better myself. So honestly, I would advise any and everybody who's feeling like you don't know who you are to really take a deep dive and to figure out who you are outside of what you do. Mm. That is literally what I had. I had to, we talked about it actually a couple of days ago. I yeah. had to go backwards to come forward. Mm. I had to break everything that I thought I was down yeah. to rebuild it all the way back up. Yeah. And it's a long process. I did a lot of crying, a lot of snotting, therapy. Yeah. I did all of that stuff. Yeah. Reading, just expanding my mind because I knew there's got to be more to this. Right. I'm more than just Ramon Barber, the football player. Right. I knew that, you know? Yeah. But I just didn't know how to find it. Yep. And that's what a lot of the issue is we don't know how to find who we are besides what we do. Hey, yep. So, and I feel like it's conditioning from the world. It's, yeah. it's how the world has basically brought us up. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you know, go extra hard at what you do. You got to be this expert. And it, yeah. it's like, just be a human. Yeah. Yep. And, you'll, and everything else will take care of itself. And that's so powerful because a lot of times when you raise a kid like that, all they see is the, that that is their identity. That's right. Right. And right. so if you're a student athlete out there right now, I'm challenging you. Find your purpose, your true purpose. Your purpose is never wrapped up in what you do and what you can do. Your purpose is who you are and who you were created to be that's and it. what you were created to contribute. Anybody that's that's getting you to wrap your identity around your physical asset is using you. I don't care if it's your mom, your auntie, your entire community. The ball stops bouncing one day. Absolutely. The football hits the ground for the last time. Who do you want to be? What do you want to contribute? You are more than a sport. You are more than an athlete. I think that's phenomenal, man, because coming from where we come from, it's, it's like y'all said, we get one of two or three ways. You can go rap, you can go play ball, or you can go sell dope because those are the only things that seem like success, right? Mm -hmm. So coming from that, I want to ask you, this is a huge question. I never asked anybody this question on the podcast before. Okay. I want you to think about your, your two or three best friends you had between the ages of 10 and 15, right? Mm -hmm. And then make a comparison. Where are you today compared to where they are today? And you don't have to shame them, no, but this is for insight to see how you can choose excuses or you can choose results. Because here we have Ramon full of results, full of results. But I'm sure, you know, some of the best people you ever knew in your life are excuse written. And there's a saying that say, show me your friends. I'll show you you in 10 or five or 10 years. So how did you manage to get past that and not let the, the outside influence drag you down? Because I know it was there and prevalent. Absolutely. Um, following my following God, to be honest with you again, like everything starts through spirituality. With Amen. To really be honest with you, um, I probably got one best friend left that's still upright with his family. He living in Georgia. Um, my other guys are either deceased or I got one in prison that's mm -hmm. for life. And uh, and 
that's pretty much what the ratio is for guys like Ricky and mm-hmm. I and you. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what the, that's really what it comes what happens. It boils down to where the guys we grew up with, out of five of us, yeah. probably four of us are gonna be either dead or incarcerated, and yeah. one of us is gonna be mm-hmm. the result driven one. And that's exactly what my path is. Um, I lost a lot of people on the way. Um, yeah. I lost my cousin. We both we both were 14 at the time. He was hit by a car. And um, mm-hmm. he was supposed to come to my house that night like we had talked to him. So I learned very early and was exposed to, like, losing people permanently very early. Right. And that shifted my thoughts and it was like wait a minute we can't we don't have a long time right we don't have forever we are not here to die when we're 20 i mean 80 90 years old right right? some of us are gonna die in our teens my Mm -hmm. other friends i mentioned died in our 20s yeah and my other friend he got life in prison in our 20s right so all this is happening around me i'm like no this can't be me right you know this can't be how my story is is Ended yeah. up, and I realized that's when it wasn't supposed to be my story. I was supposed to learn from each one of those guys' mistakes, yep, right, and to become who I am today. That's yeah. great, man. So many people bump their heads, so you don't have to bump your head. That's right. Um, but that's interesting because you took it right to where I want what I wanted to say next. A lot of the friends that I lost in my life, I lost a ton of friends. I had a ton of friends be arrested, you know, be put in prison, be put in the ground for that matter. But a lot of this stuff happened to me. Um, before the age of 25 right. is what I noticed, right? A lot of the most traumatic things me and my friends experienced either together or separate happened to us before the age of 25. Yep. Now, you passed the age of 25. Mm-hmm. I'm almost there, but it's very interesting that you put that out there like that because if there are any youth watching and parents as well, this is why we drive the message that we drive free and alive past the age of 25 because as you can see, Ramon is telling you he lost one of his best friends by the age of 14 14 not to gun violence to another tragic event but most commonly it is to gun violence but these are the ages and the the, the circumstances we are put in at such a young age to where breaking the age of 25 being free and being alive is a historical milestone as a black man so that's very interesting that you put that down like that and it's a pleasure man it's an honor to see that you are here and paying that forward there's no no greater thing you can do for yourself and for the community than to take the knowledge take the intellect the wisdom and then give it back spread it back exactly and then like to to like the pressure right the Mm -hmm. the pressure that a young man caught like when a young man coming from our community is playing sports he ain't just playing the sport for the love of the game Mm -mm. he's playing so he can get his mom his family he got an entire community on his back so it's no wonder how that struggle to to readjust. But I do want to commend you, bro, because as far as attitude and having a can-do spirit and not wearing what you're going through on your skin, bro, you are phenomenal at that. I watch you, bro. I've seen you and how you carry a lot of the adversity that you go through. You never let it keep you down. So I want to like, I want to tap into that, bro, because you got a lot of people that are looking, listening, that are going through things, that have been through things. Like, what is the source of your strength, your character, your, your never surrender, your never giving up at this? Where, where is the source of that for you? For me, man, again, it starts with my spirituality and my faith in God. I understand that faith has to come before fear. Mm. And I understand that 
when I look back at everything that I've endured and, and encountered and overcome, only thing that got me through that was faith. Yeah. There was nothing else, literally nothing else. We want to believe it's something else, but it's literally just faith and understanding that this moment in time is just a moment. It's okay to feel in that moment. It's okay to cry. It's okay to scream. It's okay to whatever you need to do in that moment. Yeah. Do right. not allow that moment to capture and steal your entire day. That's what most of us do. Most oh. of us, we just allow one. I don't even believe in good and bad, to be honest. Right. I believe in good. I don't believe in bad. Right. Because any opportunity to learn is not a bad thing. Mm. Right. So even if you lose a person, place, or thing, that's not a bad. That, that's not bad. You've learned what transpired right. so that it doesn't happen again. So that's always a blessing. Right. right? And if you just me just adopting that mindset, it always helps me get deeper than surface level and really understand what's going on within this situation. Mm -hmm. There's something God always wants you to learn in the situation. Right. And me understanding that, that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's what I, I move towards that. I love that you said fear before failure, man. That's so interesting that you said that because that's that's so true. Like you have to realize that that something's in your way first before you can have faith that it'll get out of your way. Because a lot of times, like you said, that word bad, I feel like it's a, it's, you know, a very um, connotative word in a sense. It's a way for you to get stuck in something. If you think it's bad, you get stuck in it because in right. the problem is the solution. That's right. Within everything you go through, the reason, I mean, the way out is in exactly what you're going through. So, it, it can never be nothing bad. If I'm going through something, the way out is in what I'm going through. Yep. And it's never the problem. It's how you perceive the problem. But this was the last question I have for you. You spoke about that helmet syndrome. Yeah. That's interesting, man, because in our community, we got a lot of, um, I like to call them rejects. You know what I mean? The rejects, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. The, the, man, I, I played in the NFL when I was 21. You know, they, they, they carry that story. It's like the highlight of their life. Any, anybody they talk to, anywhere they go, that's the first thing they put down. I used to be in the NFL. I used to, you know, but I didn't even know that about you, bro. As much as I've heard you speak, I never heard that. I didn't even know you were an athlete ever. So how do you live your life to this day? Because I know a ton of people, we even play flag football um, every Wednesday, right? We got a ton of this out there, a ton of guys who still have their helmets on. Some of them are, you know, 40-plus years old. They got huge beer bellies, but they come out here and they, they you know, they overcompete every Wednesday. And I would guarantee you this is the highlight of their life. Coming out here on Wednesday and getting back in that moment. Bro, how do you live outside of that moment now? So I have, have developed a unique, unique ability to compartmentalize. I think that has been the best, and I had to learn this in therapy. Um, to be honest with you, after everything, you know, getting, just trying to figure out who I was, my therapist, I had to learn how to set boundaries with myself because I didn't even know how to do that. So setting boundaries with other people just wasn't happening. So I learned to set boundaries and compartmentalize. I had to realize that part of my life was that part of my life. If it comes up and it's good for conversation, cool, we can talk about it. But I won't ever lead off with that because that's not who I am. That's what mm -hmm. I did. What, I, what I'm doing right now is more important than what I did right. 10 plus years ago. Because right. that was self-serving, to be honest mm. with you. That, right. wasn't, that wasn't for anybody but me, right. you know? I, and I had to come to that realization, like, what I'm doing now is the real work. Yeah. So this is more important. Just being a good person is more important. Yeah. 
reminds me of like Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, you know, some of those guys um, that came from those same, you know, those football backgrounds and things. But early on, I feel like a great part of their success was understanding that that wasn't their purpose. They were just great quarterbacks. They could throw the ball very well. But aside from that, they had all of these foundations, all of these things going on in the community. And that's where they really invested their hearts. And aside from that, they just played football well. So that's a great thing. And that's what I get from you. I get someone that's always been able to see that I had a greater calling for myself. And that greater calling is now in full fruition. You've picked up the phone and now this conversation has been never ending man so what's next for Ramon man I see you got this motivated Kings thing going I'm watching it fly up off the ground what's next for you what do you see yourself going in five to ten years from today we can even get more short short term we can say two to three years yeah. what do you see yourself yeah, I mean to be honest with you man I got a lot of things in motion but um I have my you know my nonprofit doing well we, we're you know we're gaining traction um, every day we getting more people, more kids want to sign up, more parents want to get involved, more donors are donating. I'm just grateful for that. So I don't even know how much steam this going to really pick up there. Um, a real estate investing business as well is doing well. I'm actually now starting to get the opportunity to go back into the city that I'm from to, re to invest, buy places, buy commercial buildings, buy properties. Because through my real estate investing business, I like to, to invest altruistically. Bet. So... For me, if it's not helping anybody, I'm not really that interested in it. Right. So I'm, I like to do all of that stuff. So I do know I'm community-driven, community-based. I know I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff in communities, collaborating with a lot of people, yeah. um, a lot of people who are moving the needle in their communities, yeah. such as you guys. And, like, I just I just want to focus on collaboration. And where that takes me, only God knows. Yeah. And another thing people might not know is how great of a dad you are, man. You. Uh, you probably get more time in with your son uh, than any dad I know. And so I do want to commend you for Thank that. You, and just uh, the things that you, like uh, LaShawn was alluding to, like sports is a tool, right? Absolutely. You learn things. I'm sure there are things you've seen in coaches and men along the way that I see you instilling in your son. And I think that's so beautiful, man. So talk about that. What is what is it like being a single father, man? You're out here real estate investing. You're leading your motivated kings, man. Like we feel like single moms get all the attention sometimes. Right, right, What's it right. like for you being a <laughs> navigating as a single dad? The single greatest blessing I've ever received. Mm. Just to be honest with you, man. Like, not it, I. I I know people say this all the time. You couldn't even imagine what your life would be like without your kid or what. But like honestly, mm -hmm. I was to the point where I was losing love for myself yeah. until God blessed me with Him. Mm. And even, even at a certain point in His life, I, I started becoming selfish and then realized that what my responsibility really became. As He got older, as I went through some more trauma mm. with His mom, a lot of it was self-inflicted. I had a lot of growing up to do. I had to start growing through situations instead of just going through them because it's a difference. We, a lot right. of us go through stuff without learning anything. Right. Well, you, I wanted to grow through it. So it was painful, but I realized at the end of it, the greatest gift was that I got my best friend that looks up to me every day for inspiration. That is the, That single-handedly gives me the, mo the inspiration because motivation phase that goes up and down like happiness. Right, right. But inspiration, that gives me the inspiration to get out of bed five in the morning, hit the gym, pray, 
meditate, do all the things that I do to have to be healthy for yeah. him, that's what keeps me on that path. Because yeah. there's a lot of days I don't want to go to the gym. There's a lot of days I don't want to do the stuff that I want that I need to do to be the best version of myself for him. Mm. But how can I demand him to be a certain way and then I won't even hold myself to that standard? Right, wow. right. That's, that's real, what it is. Yeah. He helps me hold myself to a higher standard because I won't accept less from him. Yeah. And guess what? Indirectly, he accept, he expects that from me because I've created the expectation for yeah. him. So if I tell my son when the, that I ain't go to the gym, he's like, Daddy, you ain't go to the gym? Like, mm-hmm. it's a shock. Right, it right. It surprises him. Right. Or I ain't read it. What? You ain't read it? So <laughs> that's the type of stuff. You're telling me to read it? Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. So, exactly. so <laughs> that keeps you on your P's and Q's. That is what keeps you operating at the highest level possible. I see LaShawn with his kids, mm-hmm. his family. His, I, I, that melts me. I love that. Yeah, yeah man. I love it because that's not what we're from. Yeah, right. And we and we've normalized it, and it shouldn't be normalized. We can have nuclear, happy, healthy families as well. Yeah. Right, right. And it's important. Like it really. That is the work. I tell people yeah. all the time. We out here building businesses, and no, the work is your relationship, your marriage. That's the yeah. ministry. That's right. the real work. Yeah. If you can't lose that because of a job. Right. But people do it all the time. Right. Yeah. That that eagle that the, the bird can go out there and, and grab as many worms as you can find, but you need a stable nest to bring the worms oh, back man. to. Cause come you're gonna on, come man. back to the nest one day and all your your little hatchlings gonna be in the fell through the damn bottom on, because you're too busy chasing worms and you're not grabbing sticks and straw come to on, make sure man. you're rebuilding up that nest all the time. Mm-hmm. So I love that, bro. That's great. And then um what you just said with your son, right? So how he'll look at you first to make sure you on point. And that's interesting because when I was a child, um, a lot of times when my granddad or my mom or somebody would tell me to do something, that was my basis for rebellion. You don't do that. Why would you tell me to read and you don't read? Why do you know? Or, or, why, why should I go get a job? You don't have it. You know, they'll tell you to do. They'll advise you out of their misfortunes and they lack of thereof. But children will be what they see. Exactly. You tell them anything you want to tell them. Thank they will you, be what they see. So that's that's how important it is to have a father figure, man. So that way, you know, it, it, when I, when he's telling me how to live and giving me guidance, I can understand that. Like you said, my father might not be motivated all the time. He might not always be enthused about it. But he's he has discipline, and I give him inspiration to continue to build and grow and thrive, man. That's excellent. So. We, we got through everything, man. I think we went through pretty much, you know, the, the surface level Ramon, man. You're from Riviera Beach. Mm-hmm. Came up. 39. Athletic background. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From the athlete, athletic background, you started going into some social work with the kids. Mm-hmm. Found yourself Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Went to the Salvation Army. Linked up with Ricky. And now all the way here. 2023, you got your own nonprofit organization going, and that thing is flying through the roof, man. What is it that you want to say to parents and youth that are watching this episode right now that are looking for encouragement, that are looking for some pointers they can use to start taking their life to the next level and getting out of those old baskets that they've been sitting in for so long? Mm-hmm. Simply just, just put one foot in front of the other. Put some action behind that plan. It's, it, I told somebody earlier, you know, say your prayers, but prayers are activated through your action, mm-hmm. through your belief. It's not enough just to say, I want to do this or I want to accomplish this. Yeah, we all want to accomplish stuff, but what separates us all is the, the actual 
putting the work, putting the things in motion, right. Right. putting in the work. That's literally what separates us. Yeah. I, like we talked about the other day, people wonder how we seem so powerful and we how yeah. we overcome so much. It's like I don't have anything any different than right. you do. Right. right. I just get up and go. Yeah. Right. That's it. Got no like, choice. I have no right. <laughs> and I think coming from the backgrounds we come from, it teaches us that. Yeah. I saw my mom working two, three jobs just to make sure my brother and I had nice things. Yeah. She didn't have to do that, but she did it. Now, right. what did what did we lose on the other side of that? We lost time with her. Right. But ultimately, she did what she felt she needed to do to provide for us. So for me, I'm always pushing the envelope. I don't have time to be making excuses. I don't have time for for settling any right. of, any of that stuff because right. all that stuff does is it, it makes you go backwards. I don't believe in stagnation. I believe you either moving forward or you going backwards. Right. Exactly. So, as long as I keep that in my mindset, I'm always gonna move forward. I, I, and I would, have, I would advise everybody who's watching this to always think about that. You don't stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. So mm. you always want to be moving forward. Ask questions. Don't be nervous. We're just people are just human beings, just like you. Yep. You don't know what you don't know. Give yourself an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm. It's not that scary. I promise you. Exactly. Take a chance on yourself. Right. Well, Ramon, I couldn't close it any better than that, man. I appreciate you coming. This definitely won't be the last time you're here. Our audience know we keep revolving guests around because we're a family of hope dealers, man. And we want to build a community of men who, who learn from our past. We learn from what we've gone through. We learn from the communities we've endured. And we're going to repackage it and make it better for the young people growing up after us. So Absolutely. I commend you guys for your phenomenal fatherhood, but most importantly, dealing hope in a world that desperately needs it. Thank you. Hey, you're a father too, bro. I always tell you that. <laughs> Just because biologically you aren't there yet, but yeah. bro, what you are doing, who you are yeah. for a lot of these boys, bro, that's fatherhood. Yeah, you're It right. really is, bro. You're and right. I really want you to embrace that because I appreciate Rick, that. you really have, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah, I've seen you literally save boys' lives and change their directory with them becoming men. Mm. And that's only because you were there. Yeah. That's, that's a right. fact. So I'll close with that, man. Yeah. Like, I'm a living example of exactly. that. You know, um, and, and Ricky wasn't even actually actively there every step of the way. Right. I mean, I went my way, he went his, but it was the authenticity that I seen, yeah. the, you know, the, the genuineness and the, the wholeness I seen in his eyes and his story. Um, Ricky served as a father figure That's for me right. at 18 years old. 18 yeah. years of a lack of a father. Yeah. Just a few humble words and activities from inner city innovators. And I found my purpose. I found my guidance. Yeah. So, yeah, bro. Yeah. You know, big ups to you, Ricky. Really? Um, all of this right here is possible um, because of you and what you do, bro. We all here enjoying that. So, continue yeah. being great, man. That's my closing thoughts, bro. All right. Well, we here. So the next time, we're going to be out of these streets dealing hope. Follow us. How do people reach you, Ramon? Motivated King Inc. on Instagram. Uh, all one word. Uh, actually, I'm doing quite well on TikTok. Um, I, I, I just drop inspirational messages every day, inspirational thoughts every day on TikTok. And people are really, like, nice. really interacting with, with me with that. So that's Motivated King Inc. on TikTok. Motivated King Inc. on Instagram. That's the only places I'm at right now. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Well, we the hope dealers, and until then, y'all keep dealing that hope. Peace.